Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Game Talk Radio. I'm Greg. You probably already know that, unless it's your first time here. If it isn't, hello. If it is your first time here, hello and welcome. So, uh, we got a couple of stories we're going to talk about today. Two, really. It might be a little shorter podcast. We have two stories. We're going to talk about the recent uh, announcement that the Sony-exclusive baseball game MLB The Show will be coming to multi-platforms as soon as 2021. So that means coming to an Xbox platform and possibly a Nintendo platform by 2021, which is incredible news just because it's a Sony-exclusive. And then we're going to talk a little bit about this. Is uh, The story itself is about two weeks old, maybe even three but basically, um, the latest Star Wars game, Jedi Fallen Order, I, I played it, I finished it, I liked it. It's it's very good. Uh, and it, it EA had announced that it had the fastest digital sales in the first two weeks of any Star Wars game ever released. And so I've been seeing all these weird articles that basically keep popping up about how finally EA is going to learn their lessons. See, the fans, you know, the, the fans wanted a non-microtransaction game in here. They got it. And it paid off, but did it really? We're gonna we're gonna talk about that because I, it's really easy to look at a puff piece article and say, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean that yeah, it sold really well. So maybe EA will change their ways, but it doesn't quite work like that. So we're gonna talk about those two stories. I of course have my game of the week picked out. I have my pickup pile of the week, which is above average size, maybe average size. I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games going in. And a magazine, actually. Eight games and a magazine. Eight games and a magazine. Is that a song? Sounds like a 90s Shell Crow song. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, and, and then, so that's going to be it. You might be a little bit of a short one today. And then, just as a heads up, the next few weeks, I'm not sure what the podcast schedule will be. I do very much like to keep it consistent. But uh, let me double check. Is that... So technically, Christmas Eve is two weeks away. I will not be doing a podcast that day or New Year's Eve. So for sure, the 24th and the 31st, I will not have a podcast. So I probably will do one next week uh, before I take my quote-unquote Christmas break. Act like it's some sort of vacation. I have to take it because I have so much work going on. (laughs) It's not like I'm taking it so I can be like, hey, I got fun stuff going. No, it's literally the store gets so crazy this time of year that uh, I just need a little bit of extra time to work at the store and I need to keep that day free that I would do the podcast of and stress level wise, you know, um, it just, it's just, it's building. Let's just say that. And that's fine. That's a good thing. Being busy is a good thing. I I will never complain about being busy. doesn't mean it's not stressful. doesn't mean it's not, I'm not allowed to complain about it. That happens a lot. I don't know. I'll, I'll riff on this real quick, but that happens a lot in, in my industry and in my business where, Someone will come in and say, hey, how's everything been going? And I'll just be like, it's good. It's very good, man. I love it. I'm very happy. Whew, really busy, though, man. It's really stressful. And I'll say something. You know, I'll try to get candid for a moment, right? You try to you try to connect people, get candid. And I'll say something like, yeah, we just someone just dropped off like a 1,000 games. And it is, it's like, in, in my head, I'm going, I'm going to be here late tonight. I'm going to come in early tomorrow. I'm going to stay late tomorrow. Try to get all this stuff cleaned, fixed up. It's super stressful. It goes without saying that it's a good thing. But it's super stressful. You try to be candid with someone. You're just being honest with the answer, right? So then the the first thing almost everybody snaps back with is, well, that's a good thing, though. I'm like, yeah, no stuff. It's a good thing. It, it, it's just implied that it's a good thing. Of course I want to be busy. Of course I want trade-ins. Of course. 
but it doesn't mean I can't still feel overwhelmed and stressed out by it, right? You know, so that's funny. So if you're ever in the store, you probably don't even mean to do it if you've ever done it. But if you do that, you know, if someone says, oh, it's 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 been good, man. It's been a little crazy. Like, I'm just swamped today. But whew, you know, you, you just be like, you know, oh, yeah, you'll, you'll get through it. Or something like, you know, oh, yeah, that sucks. But yeah, you know, it's that time of year. It's that time of year or something like that, right? Just don't don't make me feel bad for be, just trying to reach out and be candid with you. That happens all the time. I just try to say, hey, I'll just uh, tell you something. I'll just reach out and connect with you. And Oh, I didn't realize that you're going to make me feel bad, you know, because a lot of people, I think a lot of people are very envious of my job, which is totally fine. And I understand I love my job and I'm very lucky to have it and I'm blessed that I have it. And so I understand why some people may really idolize that job and it, and it is fun. Anybody would want to do it, I think. But it's not like it's not work. You know, I I, I don't it's it's weird like people people oftentimes and, and this is a running joke because obviously we work in video games, but it's a running joke where people will come in and and say things like, you know, Oh, you're just playing games, huh? And and sometimes, like, I think people have it in their head that they're going to say that no matter what. Because there's literally sometimes I'll be using a toothbrush to, like, clean a dirty, nasty controller. My hands are all black and gross. And I'm just, like, they're full of gunk, you know? I'm like, this is awful. And they'll be like, oh, look, look at you not doing anything, just playing games behind the counter. I'm like, dude, do you want this job? This, this, this really sucks what I'm doing right now. This is not fun at all. It's satisfying, I suppose. But, you know, and again, I'm not complaining. I'm not saying my job sucks. I'm just saying that people come in with these weird, like, preconceived notions of what we do. And, and that, like, it's somehow perfect. There is no perfect job. A job is always work. That's why they pay you to do it. <laughs> if it wasn't work, you wouldn't get paid to do it. It'd just be a hobby. But I digress. It is, and it's fine. But it's funny how often that happens. Where And, and I'll be behind the counter, like playing because our test game for super nintendo controllers is rise of the robots for super nintendo okay if you've never played it it's one of the worst fighting games ever made it's one of the worst super nintendo games ever made we had a lot of copies it's cheap and it uses every button that's why we use it it loads really fast and it uses every button you're back there playing the clunkiest junkiest jankiest looking fighting game on the super nintendo and people would be like oh look at this guy you're not doing any work he's just playing games like and you just kind of slow turn, and you're like, I'll kill you. Okay, this game sucks. <laughs> Nothing, and I don't know about you guys if you've ever been put in this situation, but if you're ever forced to play video games that you don't want to play, it might as well be work, because it's not like video games are fun if it's something you don't want to play. Uh, I had a regular customer ask me to help her get through a certain part in a game. And so Dom and I were working, and she asked if we could help her get through a part in Mortal Kombat Shaolin Monks. To beat a certain boss, I think it was Melina or Katana or Jade or one of the ninja ladies. And Dom and I played this game for probably an hour to get through the level. Now, and remember, this is like halfway through the game, so I have no context of where we are. I'm just going on straight. Like, yeah, I played it seven years ago or eight years ago or something but like i'm going off of straight instinct at this point i have no idea what's going on we don't know where we are in the store we don't know the abilities we have we don't like all that stuff is a mystery to us we start playing it uh and we're we're trying to get through it and there is a really front like it is a weird boss fight there's some mechanic we have to drop a cage or something if i remember correctly and so play we were forced to play a game that we didn't want to play and that might as well have just been me sitting in an office cubicle filling out expense reports or something like it was it was awful 
It was awful. So be kind to your local game store people. <laughs> don't don't assume they don't do any work. It's quite insulting, but you know we understand that a lot of times people are just making conversation too, and it it is fine. It's just funny that people come with this. People come with this attitude like we don't do work, and, and even sometimes old people will come in and and will be. You know, like they see us work for them. Like we'll grab a bunch of stuff. We're running around. Even on a sale day, we're running around full speed. And then someone will say something like, you know, oh, you guys always clowning around or not, you know, just always never doing any work in here, huh? And you're like, what are, what are you looking at? <laughs> like, I'm, I'm literally doing all the work. <laughs> I'm doing the work of three people. Uh, but again, don't feel sorry for me. I'm very lucky to have what I have. I don't mean it like that. It's just it's just a funny observation. I'm a people watcher. I enjoy I, I enjoy the uh, the the way that people interact with me, and I think it's funny. So I wanted to share it with all of you. So, again, don't feel sorry for me. Don't be like, oh, poor Greg, man. His job, it really sucks for him. That poor guy has to own and operate a video game store, and he's successful, and he's had it for eight and a half years. And, oh, man, that poor guy. No, don't feel sorry for me. I, I appreciate it. But don't feel sorry for me. Just come in and buy something and then chat with me and say hi and have and we'll have a nice chat. But anyway, enough babbling on about about my oh woe is oh woe is Greg. Welcome to the podcast. Oh woe is Greg. Uh <laughs> but so we're gonna talk about, like I said, the Major League Baseball the show coming to other platforms. And we're gonna go a little bit deeper too. We're gonna talk about the contracts and, and how they work, uh, because there were some exclusivity contracts. In that, um, and then the uh, we're gonna talk about uh, a little bit about. Oh, I gotta bring this up real quick. I forgot there was one tweet I needed to bring up, um, and uh, we're gonna also then talk about Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, and we're gonna talk all about that. Uh, we're gonna talk all about the. Um, like how it's sold and, and, and everything like that. So let me just pull up this tweet. Um, let's see. Just got to find. Um, let's see the show. Okay. I'll keep this up. Okay. Yeah. That's all I was looking for. Okay. Excellent. We, uh, let's get it started and, uh, here, here we go. So first up on the podcast today, we're going to be talking about the very recent news just yesterday, late, yeah, late yesterday, that MLB The Show, the exclusive PlayStation console baseball game, and arguably one of the best sports games on the planet, is now going multi-platform. And, and that's very surprising news for a game funded by Sony, published by Sony, exclusive on Sony platforms all of a sudden is revealed to be going multi-platform in, in, a, in a joint announcement. And it's actually quite interesting because it was timed very well. You had a PlayStation announcement, you had an MLB announcement, you had an Xbox tweet, <laughs> and then you had a Nintendo tweet. <laughs> so that's very cool. Um, and I like this. I like a good game being more accessible to more people. I think that's great. I think I, th I always think that's a good thing. There's a lot of Xbox sports fans that are that are just ready for a killer baseball game. And now they're going to get it as early as 2021. So not 2020, not this spring, but the next year could see baseball games on Xbox consoles and on Nintendo consoles. So let's talk a little bit about the announcement here. So 
we have for immediate release MLB, MLBPA, that's the Players Association, Sony Interactive Entertainment, and San Diego Studio, that's the studio that actually makes the game, announce a multi year, multi platform video game partnership extension. Major League Baseball and the Players Association announced today that they have entered into multi-year extensions to continue development and distribution of MLB The Show, the award-winning officially licensed video game. In addition, the historic expansion of the long-standing partnerships will bring MLB The Show for the first time ever to additional console platforms beyond the PlayStation platforms as early as 2021. Complete details will be announced at a later date. San Diego Studio has been creating officially licensed baseball video games enjoyed by millions of fans for more than 20 years. With MLB The Show 20... The studio will be commemorating the 15th anniversary of MLB The Show's franchise next year through a variety of unique promotions and new gameplay features. MLB The Show is officially licensed by MLB and the Players Association. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, yada, yada, yada. Okay, so that's the announcement. That's 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 pretty crazy, and I like that Microsoft tweets out no more away games. That's funny. Uh, Nintendo doesn't have anything funny to say. They just tweet out the link. Excellent. I think that's very cool. But I want to talk a little bit about why this is interesting. Beyond the fact that Sony funded and published the game, Sony actually had an exclusive deal with the MLB for many years, which, as you can tell by this uh, this release, uh, that deal was coming to an end, and they had to refresh that contract. And so there's some really interesting things here uh, to note. First of all, in when Sony signed their exclusive contract, it wasn't exclusive to be the only baseball game made which is what EA did with Madden football. Like you cannot make another Madden. You cannot make another NFL football game. There is only, there's only Madden. That's all there can be. Even if somebody else wanted to challenge, they couldn't EA signed an exclusive deal with the NFL. Sony signed a exclusive first party deal with the MLB, which meant that no other first party company could make a baseball game. So that means Microsoft couldn't make a baseball game Nintendo couldn't make a baseball game, which was a killer for them as they always had a baseball and being a minority stakeholder uh, in the uh, Mariners, like like them being a part of baseball was unfortunate that they couldn't make a baseball game if they wanted to. And they still did. They still made their Mario sluggers and they still found a way to make baseball games, but they didn't have the rights to MLB, the Major League Baseball brand. And so this is that was a weird deal, you know, when they made it. I don't know if they were able at that time to make an exclusive deal but they couldn't. And the funny thing was up until 2012, 2K had signed an exclusive third-party agreement for baseball games. So you had Sony was the only one who could make first-party baseball games for their own platform. 2K was the only company that could make third-party baseball games for any platform, uh, which, which then expired and they did not renew. So ever since 2012, anyone else could have gotten in the baseball game that wasn't a first-party publisher for their hardware. So if you weren't Nintendo and you weren't Microsoft, you could have made one. EA could have made a baseball game anytime they wanted to, just like they could have made the NBA game the last... They have made them the last few years, but when they came back with, like, Live 14, um, they came back. And so they had this anytime they could have done this. But they didn't. And and there's actually some interesting articles that talk about why um, the president of EA at the time in 2014 talked about the hurdles in making a baseball game. One being that you have very stiff competition in the show. So and they also said that they don't have an engine or a studio that's triple A prepared to work on a baseball game. They have their Madden studios. They have their, you know, at the time they had just built the NBA live studio to bring that back, which has not been successful. So even through their own shortcomings, they know 
that making a baseball game is difficult. Now I'm all for competition and I would like to see other baseball games out there because competition pushes the product to be better. And I think we all want that. I think we all want our products to be as good as possible. And oftentimes competition does that. You need someone to come in and infuse fresh new ideas. And then when they infuse some fresh ideas, someone else might take that idea, tweak it, copy it, make it better. So, but all very cool things. Now, your next question might be, why then did Sony not sign an exclusive first party deal again? And that's a great question. And it's probably because MLB had a problem with that. If I had to guess, when the negotiations came back up, MLB gets a certain cut of all the games sold. So I'm sure that MLB was looking at Sony and saying, hey, why don't you put this game on other platforms? To which Sony replies, well, it's because we pay for the game and we have competition and we don't want competition. We don't want people buying an Xbox if the only reason they buy a game console is to play the show. And I'd argue that that game is a system seller. I'd have no problem arguing that because I've talked to people that buy Playstations who are Xbox fans only buy a PlayStation just for the show. And I'm not kidding when I say that. So it is a system seller. There are people who don't really play games, but they play the show every year. And so it, it moves units. Well, Sony says, well, we want people to buy our system if they're going to play our games. And so that's a fair argument. You say, okay, that makes sense. But the MLB looks at it and goes, but if it's on Xbox and Nintendo, you could sell three times as much as you're selling now. I can't really argue with that, except that obviously the install base is different, but the Switch has a huge install base. Microsoft has a very dedicated set of fans, and I will be honest, Microsoft, typical Microsoft fans, the type of games they like, would play a game like this. So they're not wrong. So the Major League Baseball makes more money if Sony sells more copies of the show. So I'm sure it came up in negotiations where they said, look, we're getting to the point now where we all want more money. How are we going to make more money on this game? Now that it's not already popular and successful, how do we make it more successful? Because everyone, what does everyone with money and power want? More money and more power. It's just, it's just what, it's just how it goes. And so that must've been part of the contract negotiation was that they had to push it uh, out a little bit longer. Now on Twitter, um, Colin Moriarty, he actually, uh, as he tweeted this out, he says, it stands to reason that for Sony to retain the license, it needed to agree to distribute the franchise more widely. Remember, the only other MLB game is RBI Baseball, a budget-level game that MLB develops and publishes each internally, It's po and it's possible that EA was sniffing around. And so that's basically what I, was, <clears throat> what I was arguing there, was that if EA was going to get back in the game, they probably won't now, because why would they if they've got such stiff competition already? Again, not that I wouldn't like to see it. But we have, and, and they still might, they still could. Maybe they could do a college baseball. They did it before. Uh, and NCAA baseball was, was popular with a lot of people. So they could do that. They could still do MLB though. But the problem is you've got someone dominating the market. How do you come in and try to chip away at that? You really have to come in and make like a big impact that first, that first meeting. And so how's that going to work? And I don't know if EA can do that. And even according to them a few years ago, anyway, they don't feel like they're set up for it. And their recent failures with NBA Live are rough because it was a very similar situation. NBA 2K dominates the basketball market. I mean, Sony stopped making baseball or basketball games. They focused on the show. Microsoft, you know, they stopped making basketball games. 2K is running the show, no pun intended. EA tries to break back in and they, they, they're not putting a dent in it. 
So they are worried about that same thing happening with the baseball market. Now, you would you would think that a company like EA could hire people, steal people away from the show and get them to make a baseball game. You know, you would think that. I don't know. Obviously, obviously not. But it does mean it's not coming. Uh, but I think this is so just to loop it all back around. I actually think this is very good news. I, I like competition. I want to see more competition. But I love the idea that this game will be more readily available to to fans that would play it. I think making a game more accessible is always a good thing. One, it'll make everybody more money. Sony will make more money when this game's on Microsoft. You know, obviously it's important to get people into your into your family of consoles, into your family of hardware. It's very important to bring them into your circle of products. But that industry is also changing in the fact that it's not always going to be about hardware placement because once PlayStation Now is on every TV, once you know, X cloud is running on multiple devices that aren't systems. It's not going to matter necessarily what hardware you have in the house can depend on what service has the best access and the best content. And so this is part of that. I think this is part of Sony saying, you know, we can, we can kind of branch out and, and let me just say like what an amazing time it is in video games where we're seeing this, what used to be so terribly divided between this is Xbox only. This is PlayStation only. This is Super Nintendo only. This is Sega Genesis only. And now we're seeing all these crossovers. You're seeing thing, and not like it's a big deal, but you're seeing, you know, Cuphead coming, to, an exclusive deal on Xbox Cuphead, but they let it come out on the Switch. Then you've got Minecraft, which is now owned by Microsoft, even though it was on PlayStation before they sold. And then they're doing their latest update and allows crossplay for everybody to play together. Crossplay is becoming a much bigger thing, even though Sony was kind of the one standing in the way of it. Rocket League, new Call of Duty is playing between PC, Xbox, and PlayStation 4. It's crazy times. And it's it's really cool times. I think it's great. And so we will, you know, we'll see how this all goes. But I think overall it's a good thing. As much as I would like to see another baseball game try to crack in, as far as I could tell, the show is still holding it down. And unlike Madden, which seems to get worse and worse every year, the show is almost getting better and better. And so until we start to see a decline in the quality of that game, I don't know if there's much room for a competitor at all. All right, so next up on the podcast today, we're going to be talking about Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. And this this story, like I said earlier in the podcast, this is about two weeks old. But the discussion we're going to have is a good discussion, I think, anytime. So while the news stories came out a few weeks ago, we're going to take the conversation a little bit further. So to begin, this was the headline that we were all seeing a few weeks ago. Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order broke multiple sales records for EA. Turns out Star Wars fans love a classic single-player game. Yeah, I, I don't think anyone would dispute that. I think, you know, like one of the best Star Wars game of all time is single player. It's Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. And then, of course, you have Jedi Academy and, and Out, Outcast and all that stuff. Like those are all very good. And those are all single player games, no microtransactions. And obviously that's been the big thing with EA lately, right, is we're all complaining about, oh, microtransactions. And we're complaining about every game's online and every game is this. And not that those aren't valid complaints. I'm not saying I don't have those complaints. I'm just saying it's if you don't like the game, you don't play it. And and I think that's fair. It's fair for that game to exist for people that love it. And it's fair for Jedi Fallen Order to exist for people like me that love that. And I did beat Fallen Order. I did enjoy that game quite a bit. It was a very good experience. I bought, well, technically I played it for free on EA Access as part of my membership. But I played that game. I finished it. I will never play it again. They made their revenue off of me, which was whatever you want to justify my 
$10 a month or whatever. I think it's even less than that, $7 a month maybe for whatever I'm paying for the, the all-access EA Pass. So they made their money off me one time. They didn't make any money off me after that when it came to this game. And so before I get into all that, though, let's talk about what records it broke. Because there's there is some really weird wording to say it broke records. So I don't know. I think it's two things. One, I think it's, I think it's a, it's a promotional thing. They were trying to spin the numbers for Jedi fallen order to make it a positive press release. I mean, everybody does that, but two, I think they're trying to show that they were the good guys in listening to the fans that said they need to make a single player star Wars game, but more so it doesn't matter. The thing that people don't realize about companies is they don't care about one game selling compared to another one that came out two years ago. They don't care about that. What they care about is what this game today is doing for them and what this game can do. And so it's it's popular and it's a good idea for them to boost up this game, even if it tears down a game they made two years ago. So anyway, the, the record that it broke... Uh, while the publisher didn't break out any specific numbers, it did say that the title has sold more digital downloads than any other Star Wars game to date in its first two weeks of availability. It also said that Fallen Order had the best PC launch of any of its Star Wars games. So, okay, a couple things. It sold more digital downloads than any other Star Wars game. Okay, I mean, yeah, people are buying more digital, that's a fact. So it's possible that people are just a game like this. They're going to buy digital over physical because people are just trending that way. But they brag about that. It did it in the first two weeks. Okay. That, you know what? That's a PR move. You say, Hey, this game, this was the, the this was the, and, and the fact that it was the best PC launch of any Star Wars games. It's also the first one to launch on steam in forever. I uh, probably since, since a Star Wars game launch, it's been quite a while since, since Star Wars games were on Steam, this one was. And so that helps. The Steam's got the huge user base. That helps. But again, I don't care. This is fine. This is the sort of marketing thing that's fine. You've got a company trying to boast that their game broke records, and it's a marketing talking piece. It's fine. That's great. That's fine. That's not the issue I have, and that's not what we're talking about today. The issue I have, what we're talking about today, is that all these articles started popping up that said, let's see here, uh, all these articles started popping up saying, is EA finally going to learn their lesson? Has EA finally learned that if you make a good Star Wars single player game, it'll sell better, it'll make more money than if you make a microtransaction riddled online only mess. But that's not what happened, unfortunately. And as much as I would like to say, yes, a single player game outsold the multiplayer microtransaction real game that I don't love, it didn't happen. And so, again, it sold the fastest digitally in the first two weeks. We don't have exact numbers, but Star Wars Battlefront 2 in quarter three sold 7 million copies. <laughs> I guarantee you Jedi Fallen Order didn't even come close to 7 million copies sold. Now it might. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. And again, Part of this is because someone like myself did not buy it. I played it on EA Access, so I don't know if they consider people who play it as part of their membership as copies sold. I don't know how all that works, how they track it. They'll pick however they want to. But Battlefront 2 disappointed by only selling 7 million copies. 
So Jedi Fallen Order did not even come close to 7 million copies. And I know they haven't released the numbers. And I know you're saying, well, Greg, how do you know that? I know that because this game did not... First of all, <laughs> Battlefront 2 had a huge install base waiting for it to come out. It had name recognition. It wasn't an all-new IP. It wasn't uh, a game people were sheepish about not knowing if a, if a new Star Wars game would be good, even though it was Respawn, and you should just assume that everything Respawn does is pretty good. Battlefront 2 made way more revenue than Jedi Fallen Order. And now... Jedi Fallen Order still was a success, though. So let me let me get that out there. And again, I liked Jedi Fallen Order. So don't act like this is me bashing them and, and I'm not bootlicking for microtransactions. I'm just saying we have to look at this in a smarter way. We can't just look at a headline and say, it, it was the fastest selling digital title in two weeks. EA, see, you better listen to your fans. Like, first of all, EA is a company. EA doesn't listen to anything. EA exists by the policies that its board makes and that its COO makes and its CEO makes, first of all. Those decisions that are made are based solely on revenue. A game like Battlefront 2 with microtransactions and not just that, but being an online multiplayer game made a ton more revenue than Jedi Fallen Order would. And it doesn't mean that Jedi Fallen Order was not a success, but to argue that somehow Jedi Fallen Order, because it sold better digitally in the first two weeks than any other Star Wars game at launch somehow is going to make EA change their tune. It's not. And, and unfortunately it's, unfortunately it's not. I mean, I, w I kind of wish it would, but that's, that's not really, that's not really what is happening here. And, and so now because of the success of Jedi Fallen Order, it will most likely get a sequel. Excellent. I will play a sequel to that game. I'd love to see them refine the combat a little bit, tighten it up a little bit, and it's fun exploring the Star Wars universe from another perspective. I think it's great. But to pretend that Jedi Fallen Order has somehow shifted EA's thought, uh, the, the, the people running EA's thoughts on what a successful game is, is inaccurate. And so I don't understand how people can't read these headlines and know that like when you read this and it says it sold more digital downloads than any Star Wars game to date in its first two weeks. Now, if it had done it in the first three weeks, it would have said the first three weeks. But I guess to be fair, maybe it came out in this two week period. So let, let, let me not let me back that up a little bit. So it might have just been as of when the article was written. This was the best selling digital Star Wars game at launch. And it had had the best PC launch of any Star Wars game. That's OK. And I'm not and I'm not taking away the credit from the game. The game is good. It deserves success. But I think we have to stop reading a headline like this and turning it into our, you know, a narrative that people want to believe, which is the narrative is that if the people running EA would listen to us, they'd be more successful and they'd make more people happy because that's not true. And unfortunately, it's not revenue is looked at by totals, not by you know, more or less. So you don't look at a game like they don't look at a game like Jedi Fallen Order and say it made less than Battlefront 2. It's out of here. It's not about that. It's all about allocating resources, generating profits and keeping, you know, keeping stockholders happy. Like that's all these companies are meant for. And, and it is video games and it is fun. And I, and I love the hobby that I'm a part of. 
but that's that's it's still a business and that's how business works we wouldn't have this business of video games if we didn't buy them of course but we have to buy them so that companies make money so that they can afford to make more games. It, it's like a tweet I read from Jim Sterling the other day, and I like Jim Sterling's content for the most part. I think he's funny. But the, the news came out that a new Bioshock studio, or a new Bioshock game is coming out, and that the studio's been formed newly, or that it's been around since 2K Marin, whatever the actual story is. And he tweets that out and then says, let's just hope 2K keeps their, you know, keeps their blah, blah, blah out of the game. And all I can think to myself is, like, what? Like, the money to fund it? Like, you know, I mean, it, we have to stop treating publishers like they're the enemy. Publishers are the whole reason, and they take all the risk, and they're the whole reason why these games exist. And again, I'm not kissing ass for big publishers. But I'm saying that, like, to automatically demonize them just because makes no sense either. And so to argue that 2K is is would be bad if they if they got their grubby fingers in the process... Their grubby fingers are in the process because they have the money. The process wouldn't start without the grubby fingers pushing in bags of money. You know, again, I'm not calling out for a reform of how we think about video games. We just have to be smarter. You know, just look at it. Like, I, I feel the people listen to me, listen to this podcast. They want to they be a more educated, smarter fan of video games. And if you don't, and, and if you think that's a really arrogant thing to say, I apologize, but I'm just saying that I feel like you want more. You don't want to look at a headline and see, oh, Jedi Fallen Order broke multiple sales records. Um, you know, see, we, we told you Star Wars fans love a classic single-player game. But that's not, that's not the point, right? The point is that, yes, it was successful, but it was not as successful as these online-only multiplayer. Not that Battlefront doesn't have a single-player, but Battlefront 2 has a single player mode, but these continuing online multiplayer games. And so that's all I'm trying to say. We we have to look more into it. And the other thing, too, that a lot of people miss out on is that there's not a lot of money to be made in a one game play in a one play experience. Most people are going to play Jedi Fallen Order once because it's a single player game. A lot of people will watch someone on YouTube or Twitch stream the game. And so they won't even get the one sale from that person because they can watch it. Now, there's a reason why influencers and streamers for games like Fortnite and Call of Duty, that brings people into the game. That's why they're willing to spend money on them. Because people watch this person play Fortnite, it makes other people want to play Fortnite. And while streamers often do influence people to play single-player games, someone can watch the whole single-player game and then feel the need not to buy it. I have this happen in the store all the time. Someone will come up and I'll say, oh, hey, did you play the new Star Wars game? Yeah, I did. It was really good. Well, I mean, I didn't play it, but I watched, you know, X game streamer x 4000 play it and it was really cool like oh there's this awesome boss fight we're doing this and they start talking to you almost as if they themselves played the game very weird phenomena really i can't understand it i love playing games i love experiencing them i can't understand that why you would you would watch someone else's experience and then feel and then transition that to yourself as you experienced it and some people don't have time to play games it's fine i'm not saying it's not okay to watch streamers just you know, it's, it's a weird phenomenon that I've run into. And so you may not even get the sale from those people. And that's the problem with single player games. They're never going to sell as well as multiplayer games because they don't have the replay value. And now do I love the fact that all these multiplayer games just nickel and dime us with microtransactions? No, but you're not forced to buy them. You can play. And, and unless it's a really broken system, which arguably battlefront two in the beginning was, 
If it's not a broken system, microtransactions don't really hurt the game. In Rocket League, I don't think microtransactions hurt the game. Yeah, it'd be really cool to have your car be fully customized and these awesome trails and to look cool. But it doesn't affect how you play. If you're good, you're still good. You can drive the generic car in the generic blue or red color, or blue or orange color, and you're just as good as the next guy or girl. But if you buy microtransactions, it doesn't increase your value. And so as long as the game doesn't allow you to be that way, which some games have, admittedly, then there's no benefit to that. So you don't have to buy the microtransactions. And again, this isn't me saying like, this isn't me justifying microtransactions. In fact, I don't buy even single player games. I don't buy DLC. My game of the year last year, 2018, was Spider-Man. I loved Spider-Man. I didn't play the DLC for it. It was my favorite game. I loved it. I love Spider-Man. I played that game nonstop. I went through it platinum and I loved it. I didn't play the DLC because I just don't do that. So when I play a game, I think Rocket League, I might have, I don't think I ever bought keys in that game. I think I just traded some items or crates for keys and then used keys to open other crates or something. I don't, I don't know how the whole system was stupid, but you know, so I did that and I opened a few crates and it was fun. I didn't have to do it. Didn't, didn't affect the game. And so, again, we're getting off track a little bit, but to, to bring it home, to wrap it up, I basically wanted to say that just because a game sold well doesn't mean that it sold better than something just because we don't like the other thing. And I know that all these articles, and, and I don't have any of them up here, but there were so many articles I was reading that were, finally, EA is going to listen. Will EA wake up? Will EA wake up? They don't have anything to wake up to, everybody, I'm sorry to say. They're waking up to a game that sold okay, made them money they're happy with, and then they'll fund the sequel. They're not waking up to some, oh my goodness, Jedi Fallen Order just made us more money than than FIFA or more money than Battlefront 2 or more money than Madden. So it's not going to change the way they think about games where they punch in that just super egregious style of microtransactions because that's what makes them the most money. And, and I hate to say it, I wish it weren't that way. But again, you don't have to buy them. And so there's no... There's no negative to just ignoring them. And if the game is pay to win, then don't play it. It's as simple as that. All right. And so that's it for the stories today. That's all we got for stories. So we're going to talk about our game of the week. We got our pickup pile of the week. Then we're going to get out of here. And you all are going to enjoy your, uh, you all are going to enjoy your, your week. I'm going to try to do some more stuff today. I'm not sure what I got. I got, I got a lot of things I want to do. I'm playing blasphemous right now. That game is awesome, man. I, I, I'll, I'll have some stuff to say about that next week. It is, uh, it is excellent. And I'm actually, I was rushing through it and I think I'm going to slow down because I'm, I was really enjoying going through it and, uh, and I kind of want to dominate the game. <laughs> like I'm starting to like learn how to fight every monster in such a way that nothing really hits me anymore. I still die by spike pits because you can't do anything about that. But uh, anyway, Blasphemous is great. I got. I want to play that, but I also I want to hook up my VR headset and play some stuff on that. And then Jordan, I'm I might play Remnant with Jordan. I kind of want to do that too. Man, there's so much stuff to do. Um, anyway, uh, let's get to it. So my game of the week this week, we have Dino Crisis for the PlayStation One. Again, sticking with the PlayStation One theme, going in alphabetical order so I don't loop over and repeat myself with the games. Dino Crisis essentially is a complete Resident Evil clone. Take out zombies and monsters, put in dinosaurs, and you have the game. So it's one part Jurassic Park, one part Resident Evil, and it's really fun. 
the uh, the game itself, and we're going to talk next week, next podcast, we'll talk about Dino Crisis 2, spoiler alert, and we'll talk about the changes. It made drastic changes to the formula that actually were, were all improvements in, in the right way, but this game was at the height of the popularity of Resident Evil. It even comes with a Resident Evil 3 demo disc. So this is after Resident Evil 2, and the world was just crazy for Resident Evil. And so Capcom thought, well, let's take the same game, same engine, and let's just turn into like, let's let's make a new type of game. And so this is survival horror in the sense where you have limited ammo, you solve puzzles the same way, you walk, has tank controls, you walk the same way. And, which I would love for them to give Dino Crisis the remake treatment like Resident Evil 2 and 3 are getting. If they somehow do that next, I might just fall over and die. It would just be awesome. But Dino Crisis is a really fun game if you like that style of Resident Evil, early PS1 Resident Evil. So puzzle solving, limited ammo, boss fights, jump scares, uh, but, but really good stuff. And, and and a really fun game, a definition, a defining game in the PlayStation 1 era. And and, and although an offshoot for Capcom, they played it pretty safe by making Control District Resident Evil. So it was pretty hard to make the game bad. And then who doesn't love dinosaurs? I guess technically kill a lot of dinosaurs but still but you still gotta love dinosaurs still if you love dinosaurs if you love killing dinosaurs either way you probably still like the game let's <laughs> so check it out dino crisis playstation one um the back of the box reads raw instinct takes over in this new adrenaline pumping journey into survival horror something is terribly wrong your covert mission to infiltrate an isolated research compound has gone haywire now you find yourself pursued by a relentless prehistoric terror suddenly your mission becomes a desperate fight for survival cool dino crisis check it out so let's get to the pickup pile of the week we're going to start with some dreamcast goodies first i picked up the first evolution for dreamcast this was the first rpg i played on the dreamcast and one of the first games i had for the dreamcast i want to say it came out like the february or march after the dreamcast came out maybe i don't know i'd have to look that up to confirm but in any case it is really fun it's it's very it is very generic though it it was it was like it's like they laid the groundwork for a good rpg but it lacked a lot of soul lacked a lot of passion but it was a good place to go and it was the first rpg as far as i remember on the dreamcast so yeah you know you played it because it was and i'm on a huge rpg kick still after after this year this year has been an rpg year uh followed up by another amazing rpg well i don't know if i want to say amazing another good rpg for dreamcast called egg Elemental Gimmick Gear. And so this is kind of cool. It's a futuristic kind of one. I like this one. Again, one of the few RPGs. It Evolution, Egg, Evolution 2, Skies of Arcadia. Very limited on the RPG selection. Grandia 2, um, very limited on the RPG selection. But but So I added that to my collection. And then lastly for Dreamcast, I picked up a copy of Evil Dead Hail to the King. Now this game, arguably not very good. I have the PlayStation 1 version already. This is the exact same version, except it's on one disc, and it looks a little bit better. So I picked it up because I also am uh, a Bruce Campbell fan, and I'm an Evil Dead fan, and it's Evil Dead, and why the hell not? And My buddy Zach at Press Start Games in Appleton, he got in a great Dreamcast lot, and so I made sure to uh, to, to, to patronize his business and to, to give him a little bit. Um, so next up, I have a PS1 game. It's actually the jewel case version of Rayman. Uh, this The black label jewel case Rayman 1 for PS1. Uh, I love Rayman. I always liked this as a side scroller. I hate Rayman 2 and I hate when it went 3D. I just never liked those games. But the first Rayman, very fun. And this jewel case version is actually quite rare. They did a tall box of this, 
which is more common. The jewel case is actually about a 40 or $50 game as opposed to the long box being, um, I think like a $15 game or something. So, uh, so I picked that up. I don't, ha I didn't have the long box either, but I, if I can, I prefer the jewel case, but I say that, but then the other day I was on eBay and I saw that they did a copy of fade to black in the long box. I'm like, Oh man, I need that. Even though I already have the, the jewel case version. <laughs> um, and then I have a couple PS4 games. So some stuff came in from late Black late Black Friday stuff and then a limited run game. So first up is Hellmutt. This is a PS4 game. It's on Switch as well. It's like a twin stick shooter. It's Hell M-U-T, like you're a, a mutt, like a dog from Hell. And it's a pixel-based twin stick shooter running around levels, blowing stuff up. I mean, I actually haven't played it yet, but the video looked amazing. Like I said, give me pixel graphics. Give me indie game cheap. It's a GameStop. The physical is a GameStop exclusive. It was thirty. It's on. It's thirty bucks. It was on sale for seventeen. So I actually picked up two two of those. Actually, um, then I picked up the Dead Cells Action Game of the Year version because it included the Rise of the Giants DLC and the key ring. So normally I wouldn't buy this game again, but it includes the DLC on the disc. So of course I'm a dumb dumb and I have to buy it. And so uh, the other Dead Cells I had in my collection I have to take back, and then I'll have to play this one. I picked up a copy of a game called Forager. It, it's a lot like a Minecraft type uh, or like a Stardew Valley type, Legend of Zelda type, except it has you mining, building. Looks really cool. Only single player, though. And and this one came from Amazon. And they like, I don't know if they did this, but there's like a crush in the box. And I almost returned it, but I didn't. But there's a crush in the box, like right where the sticker, it says exclusive poster inside. So I actually think that I actually think that the machine that's put the sticker on probably smashed it down. But what are you, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? And then lastly, the one limited run game I put in my collection is Corpse Killer. So they, they reprinted Corpse Killer for PS4. They, they, they ported it with HD versions of all the video and everything, which is just excellent. And it's an on, so Corpse Killer is an on-rails shooter. And I used to play this on 3DO back in the day. And uh, it was a fun game. I mean, it's it's an on rail shooter. It's like old Lethal Enforcers, Area Fifty One. It's like that, except you're on an island and there's like, um, what do I want to say? There's obviously there's zombies and stuff, duh. But it's it's like there's like guerrilla warriors and stuff. Like that. So it's not guerrillas, but like guerrilla warfare fighter, <laughs> guerrilla fighters. And so, like it's it's weird. It's it's got a different aesthetic than those other games. Uh, there's also weird abilities like you. There's like a, a juju stick you get and like that can clear the screen or something. There's just a whole, but it's themed like voodoo magic, corpses, dead things, jungle, guerrilla warfare. It's it's all in there, but really it's just an on-rail shooter, but it is fun. And it, you know, it's like 30 bucks. He's whatever uh, you, by now, if you've been listening to this podcast, you know, I'm dumb and I buy lots of stupid stuff. So, and then lastly, that was it for the games. And lastly, I have a magazine I got in game pro issue 121 with on the cover Metal Gear Solid. And that's the whole reason I brought it home. I try to get all the magazines that have Metal Gear games on the cover. And this one's, it's hand-drawn art. It's it's pretty good. I like it. It's not great, but it's pretty good. And it's uh, it's just what's prominently featured on the on the magazine of this issue. So I said, yeah, it's Metal Gear, it's Solid Snakes on the cover. You're damn right, I'm going to buy that. So that was it for my pickup pile of the week. That's my game of the week is Dino Crisis 3. And that's all I had for everybody today. So thank you so much, as always, for listening and watching. Appreciate you every single week. Follow me on Twitter at GameTradeGreg. You can subscribe on Twitch or follow us on Twitch at twitch.tv slash thedroprate. Or you can go to YouTube and just go to youtube.com slash droprate. 
Uh, we broke 6,000 subs. We're at like 6,100 or something now. Like we're crushing it. I had a pretty good video last, uh, like two weeks ago, I did the Mario, million dollar Mario one. That, that video is almost up to 3,000 views. So I'm pretty happy with that. That's a pretty good pull for a couple weeks for me. I'd been a while since I had a video kind of take off. So it's nice to, nice to see one go. Although I say that and I still get so many hundreds of views on my Billy Mitchell video that's gonna be two years old come February. Um, but yeah, yeah, good times. But uh, anyway, so I appreciate everything as always. Thank you for listening and watching. Y'all have a great day. We'll talk to you again next week before the holiday break. We'll talk to you later. Have a good one. Bye-bye.